I think the takeaway is still eat more. Yeah. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. It's Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Yay. Um, I'm Liz. I'm Naomi. And we're the Van Galloway Girls. Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> um, we were just saying, what in the world are we going to talk about? Because we haven't been running. Right. I mean, I ran you this ran. weekend. Yeah. I ran this weekend. And we should we've talk been about cool that. running. And we've been we've been biking. biking a lot, which is so fun. And you did the hours calculation, so I did. So, yeah. And then we have a listener comment so about the fuel, fueling. Uh, yeah. And so we'll talk a little bit more about fueling and what some new research that we're gonna not even mention the research. We're just gonna say we heard it on Swap <laughs> saying. Yeah. Um, but basically, the takeaway is. You probably still should eat more to get the fire burning, and especially during activity. And we both did you finish Elizabeth's book yet? No, we're reading I just Elizabeth started Clore's it. book. Yeah, um, I finished it over the weekend. Um, and so we can talk a little bit about that. And kind of my takeaways yes. because I think, in addition, anyway, we'll get to that. <laughs> but it was a lovely book, and I am so proud of her, like, to know her, that she wrote it, and, like, it's really good. I think yeah. that I think that kind of any woman who's feeling alone in a goal will relate to how raw she is with her emotions in it. Yeah. Like, and just how she's, like, upfront about sharing her anxiety and her path through. So mm-hmm. it's a really, really good book. Yeah, woman or man, um, mm-hmm. she really hones in on, like, how a lot of us can get super obsessed. It happened for her. It happens. For, it happened for me. It's happened for a lot yeah. of us. We get obsessed with time goals. And, It's yeah. funny because I was reading it. I was like, I was like, this is not me. Like, I could care less That's about good. finish times at races. Like, I really could. It's so funny because, like, I'm like, I already know I'm better than everyone. Like, it's just really, like, which is not true. But I go into these races and I'm like, I'm going to be the fastest run walker up here. And, like, that is true. Like, whether I'm running, I mean, most of the time, even if I'm only going to do a 205 and a half, all the way up to 142, like... I'm probably going to be no slower than the top third run walker. <laughs> True. For, yeah, for what we do. But yeah. I, I definitely did feel, I felt that connection with what she was talking about with, you know, my... Proof like my and lead, deserving. Yes. And, and like my, my, like, you know, everything went well in training. Why didn't race day come together? Yeah. You like, know. I deserve race day to come together. Yeah. Whereas, and like, like... Whereas, and I had proof, like, yeah, proof or evidence in in the workouts and they should have exactly translated and that's not reality and like so yeah exactly because I mean our bodies aren't machines it's not like once you do x you can do y it's really it's execution is a big part of it and like I would say like kind of the, the opposite is true for my training I had very little evidence that I was gonna run the times I said I was gonna run and most of the time when I showed up at race day, I was ahead of the times I said I was going to run because I went on just execution. Like, I, I'm i good at executing on race day. Yeah. Um, and and you're good at the long distance. And, yeah. But even, and, even, I mean, I'm even thinking about, like, halves and 10-milers. Yeah. Like, in, even in the beginning of my running, I did so much of my running, and I always have, with runners who are slower than I am. So unknown to me I was building my aerobic base system and then when I would like maybe for a mile or a few minutes here and there sprint ahead and then go back to them I was I was polarizing my training yeah and with run Galloway and with with Galloway running we do Mm -hmm. it's all polarized and that yeah it's very different than what like the traditional plans like Elizabeth is following or was following in the book and yeah. oh, the book is Boston Bound in case yeah. we didn't Boston like intro Bound, it a seven year journey to overcoming I don't remember the rest, the rest of the, of the title. title let's go look it up but it's amazing but, and it's you can get it on Amazon um Elizabeth Clore you can follow her on Instagram yeah. she is a friend of ours she's very lovely and I'm so happy to like actually know her, know in, her person in person now yeah. it's cool too and know her in person before I read her book yeah so, which is really cool. Um, so, reading her book, I was, like, texting her. I was like, I love your book. Like, your journey is so sweet. But I had a couple of takeaways from the book as to 
and this is just like outsider perspective, right? The anxiety piece and working with a sports psychologist, mm-hmm. right? Those were the big things that she had to get through for execution. As a coach who knows current nutrition science, because we also have to remember nutrition science at that time was one gel every 45 minutes. Yes. Nutrition science now is about 300 calories. So that is, wait, hold on. I can do the math here because it's four calories per gram. Well, it's about three gels because most gels are a hundred calories. Most, yeah. Most gels have about a hundred calories, have about 20 to 25 grams. 25 grams. So it's 75 grams. It's 60 to 75 grams of carbohydrate per hour. Um, I was like trying to do the math in my head because it's four calories per gram of carbohydrate. It's essentially three gels versus. Three gels or two honey stinger packets. Like you're really looking at about 300 calories an hour of carbohydrate, of mostly carbohydrate. You can throw in some gels have some protein in them now yeah um but if you're going to use things like goo it's like a gel every 20 minutes yeah and a lot of her races she was uh oh, i skipped this gel because i didn't have water i or she brought one gel with her for a half marathon right <laughs> i wore like but yeah yeah right. so and then i my plan was to take a gel at mile five right and so like from knowing current nutrition science right Already, we might have improved execution. We yes. might have we might have held off the feeling sick towards the end of marathons had gels been given on a time based versus a mileage based. So I encourage everyone who is saying, "Oh, I take my gel every four miles," um, to go to time instead of mileage because you don't know what your mileage, what your pace is going to be at that time. And I did look up at the New York City Marathon. They have seven bottle stations. Okay? They have seven bottle stations for elite marathoners. Okay. For the pros. Pros, let's go two hours and 45 minutes, right? That is every 24 minutes. Yeah. So, sure, they might be going five miles in 24 minutes, but it's every 24 minutes there's a table. Right. So... That's really important to know as recreational athletes. Um, It's funny because I must have had some kind of sense about that. I could never stomach a gel every 45 minutes. I always wanted it earlier. So I would always do half Half. every 20 minutes. Yep. Which, while it's not enough fuel. It's the frequency. The frequency changes the way your brain and your body, like, like... Says um, I have fuel, or, like right. right, like the the idea of availability. Mm-hmm. So that's why I mean I am still Naomi doesn't do this because Gatorade causes the vomits, but I take <laughs> Gatorade at every water stop that it's available. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, and that was one of the things I yeah I want to talk about. We did have someone reach out and ask, well, am I using the wrong kind of gels? Because um, she just had commented on our reel basically that oh okay. She, you know, said, she or he said that uh, the gels I'm using, it's like goo and it has like 21 grams or whatever it is. That's, that's, that's okay. Yeah. Goo and Spray Energy have 20, 20, 20, 21. Martin actually has 25. That's in the higher end. I like looked at a comparison of all the different gels. They all have that range uh, for carbs. The difference is how frequently you're taking it. That's the difference is that previously there was this, and and Swap talked about it too, and it's so funny because we were going to talk about it, that you would hear this, you know, five minutes before activity. And every 45 minutes after. And every 45 minutes during. And that's, that is just wrong. That's science (laughs) from like the 20, from when goo was Created. created. And before there were gels, right? So people went from no Nothing. gels yeah. to starting to and taking orange slices and yes. bananas during like a marathon, right? And Gatorade. And Gatorade also, let's, I mean, let's back up. Gatorade revolutionized sport. Yeah. Um, it was developed in Florida, and the first Gatorades tasted awful because they were literally football players' sweat. They took sweat, they analyzed it, they found it had. Sodium, a lot of sodium, a little bit of potassium and magnesium, and some dirt. They took the dirt out. They they were pretty (laughs) sure the dirt wasn't Wasn't part of it. They made Gatorade. Uh, Then, like, the guy, the football coach who invented it was like, cool, I'm going to sell this. And the company that sold it was like, we got to make it taste better. So they added more carbohydrate. (laughs) And there you go. That's Gatorade. (laughs) Yeah, throw some sugar Um, on it. 
So, so Gatorade revolutionized things for yeah. hydration. Goo, I, I mean, that's the first energy supplement I remember hearing yeah. about. I didn't become a runner until 2008-ish. I didn't take my first gel until 2010. Um, I took it yeah. in the middle of a half, my very first go, took in the middle of a half marathon, mile seven. My last bit of that half marathon was amazing. I was like, I'm always going to take this on race day. <laughs> That's what I said to myself on race day. I'm going to take this. Yeah. Still didn't train with fuel. So this is all stuff that we're learning. Um, and it's, and it's an evolutionary process. Right. I used to be someone who thought you don't need to fuel if you're going easy which is not true. If you're fueling well during your runs, you this is a hypothesis. You don't need to worry as much about those post exercise immediately taking in stuff if you're really well fueled during activity because I don't know about you, sometimes I get done from a run and like I'm not hungry, I'm not thinking about eating. I do try to have something right away. But if I'm really well-fueled during, I'm not going to slip into that low-energy availability in the next three hours after that activity. So Yeah, and there's also... Food for thought. It's also, <laughs> you know, goes back to the... And, like, and you know, David and Megan are talking about this, too, on Swap. It's eating before yeah. that you may not have... You might be, like, a lot of people, it's like, well, I'm, I'm going to go out for a run. I'm going to go out for a ride. I'm not going to eat because I don't want to have a full stomach. Actually, it's the opposite. Like, right. cut, gut train yourself to where you do yeah. eat something before. Now, maybe you don't want to eat the thing that's going to make you sick on the run, obviously. Right. But, like, eat something before. Eat something during. And that's a plug for Nature's after. Bakery. <laughs> Nature's Bakery Fig Bars. They are not a sponsor, but we love them. <laughs> we still need to get that sponsorship. <laughs> we'll, we'll try um, to get some they, affiliate links I actually, or something. Yeah, I ate a Nature's Bakery Fig Bar before I hopped on the bike last night. Mm-hmm. It was, like, perfect. So I had, like, half of one of those giant Costco bags of hippies nice so like because you know on the bike i'm not worried about what i'm gonna eat before so i know that's junk food that is it's good. fuel um yeah and so something that on the most recent episode of swap i don't know the number it's like 168 68 or something like that yeah. um, they talked about the difference in metabolism and revving up your metabolism and are we like hunter gatherers like are endurance athletes special so the, the take-home of this is endurance athletes do learn to be better at better at conserving fuel. You don't need to worry so much on a long-run day if you have fueled your run well on eating more on that day. Like, it is not calories in, calories out. Right. We are not machines. Now, that's on the endurance athlete maintaining weight spectrum. The big point here is you have to fuel your run well. And you can't restrict after. But you don't need to worry about, did I get enough, if you're eating to being satisfied. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, because your body, at some point, there will be a tipping point, and especially, I would say, half marathon training and above, you're going to have this tipping point where, on paper, it's going to look like you burn 4,500 calories, but your body only needs 3,800 because your body is smart, if that makes sense. Right. Right? Because we're not... body's being more efficient. Whereas, if you're brand new to running and you're starting to add those runs... You need to fuel them, even if you are running for body composition changes. And that is when I'm going to start using those words instead of weight loss. Yeah. Because I don't think people need need to lose anything from their bodies. But I don't think that wanting to change your body composition is necessarily all that bad. Right. If you have the right motivation and you have the right mindset about it. Yeah. And I think this new research, too, is showing the importance of, like you said, it's not the simple equation, but it's also, um, you know, eating on your rest days is yes. maybe even more important yeah. than, like, refueling. And that's been just, you know, as a, anecdotally, that's what yeah. I'll notice is that on the day after my big run is when I'm the most, you know, 
That's when your metabolism is like kind of catching up. Your metabolism is rusting too. On work day, it's like, what the F is going on here? (laughs) On rest day, it's like, oh, cool. We're probably going to do that again. Let's get ready for it. So I started to think about something else. And I thought about this this past weekend. We went to the trampoline park for Naomi's daughter's birthday. And I promise this comes back to fueling. (laughs) And she had not eaten at all. Yeah. She has ADHD like I do. And she does not understand her own hunger cues. Nope. And I am like that as well. And I like, and you said, I'm hungry. And then I move past hunger. And I'm like, yeah. you mean you have learned to turn off your hunger cues? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really important for all of us to recognize you don't actually move past hungry. You're still hungry. You're just learning to ignore your natural desire to eat. And it's really, really important for all of us if we're heading towards kind of um, intuitive eating to turn those hunger cues back on, to acknowledge them. And even when we move through them to then go, nope, I still have to eat. And you said that at lunch, you were like, I had moved through hunger, so I know I'm hungry, but I'm not hungry at this moment, but I'm going to force myself to finish my lunch. Yeah, and that comes through a, you know, a place of healing from from eating, from disordered eating and from having that, like, background and knowing that you have to sometimes force yourself to eat or, you know, you you have to make sure you're eating because right. um, we know what the other side looks like, right? Like, there's yeah. a slippery slope. Again, if you go back to Elizabeth Clore's book, she talks about her her disordered eating patterns and how and how it was all about control. And it's that's where it is for a lot of people. It's about control and not necessarily about body composition. Right. Um, I think that, you know, yes, it can start in a place of looking at how to change your body composition. No, it's so exciting. Numbers but, are so numbers are so satisfying. Um, there's such a satisfying metric. Like yeah. I get it. It's satisfying to see your race times drop. It's satisfying to see your, your number on your scale drop. It's satisfying to have, to know that you ate less calories numbers wise, but those are things that are unhealthy. And that's why we're advocating for changing that mindset and getting out of that. Don't let, don't let numbers rule you because you're not a number. You're a person. And the only person that cares about those numbers is your disordered brain. No other person does. Um, I found it funny. Like people would always ask her because people would always ask me, Oh, have you run Boston? And Like that, it's so funny as someone who wants the Boston goal to be asked, oh, have you run Boston? And like regular people have no idea that it's really hard to qualify. And what it takes to get there. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like the answer, if, if that's a goal and you haven't gotten it yet, the answer is I'm going to one day. Yeah. Right? Because that's the other thing. By speaking it, you bring it into existence. Right? And... Ken, our friend, was here this weekend, the hobo runner, and he was talking about how he thinks Boston has, like, maybe lost a little bit of its magic because now it's part of, like, the World Major Series. And I, I've i been thinking about that. I, I don't think it's lost its magic. I think it's still a magic, amazing race. I think qualifying is still super cool. But I, I do wonder if... More and more, I wonder if like maybe fewer people apply in the future and maybe they open more spots open for charities more or not that they lower the standards, but they have a after the applications are in, if they had empty spaces, they might do a a lottery or something like that. I don't know. I mean, we've never had that happen. Right, because it hasn't been, yeah, it has, it still has the prestige. It's still, you know, because of the time qualifiers, but and it, because it, it's time qualifier only versus the other majors have time qualifiers that are much strict, yeah. strict, more stringent, but you have other options like the lottery. It's funny. Boston is almost like the every man's time qualifier. Like, yeah. because, I mean, I've qualified for Boston twice. At, I mean, I think sub 335 is pretty, pretty fast marathon. Like, right. Like, I could not do that right now. And... But it's also pretty attainable because I know a lot of people who have done it. And, like, but it's also not that big of a deal. Does that make sense? Like, it's not, it's, it's not, not as, it's not the New York qualifying times. Right. Although it is, and it's not as easy, though, as like the Chicago qualifying times. Yeah. There are some that are slower than Boston, but 
And yeah, I mean, I, I have to disagree a little bit because it's because I haven't gotten there and I've yeah. and I've trained towards it. And again, like like Elizabeth Clore, I've felt that pain of like, why am I 30 minutes off goal time when I should have been able to, to hit this? You know, she's striving for a 340 because at the time that was her qualifying time. And and she's falling off and head, ending at, you know, a 418. And I've, I've been there, honey. Like, I know exactly how right. that feels. But like, also, like, I... You know, I mean, I guess, I guess it's funny because like you're like both, both Elizabeth's and yours, other races were so much faster than I've ever run, than I've ever run, right? Like I've never run a half marathon as fast as you or a 5k as fast as you or a 10k as fast as you like, or a 10 miler, like all of my other times are slower. And so it's like. I think that's why I'm that's like, why it's not a big, I'm like but you're faster deal. in everything else. Like the only thing I'm good at is running for longer. <laughs> but like with Boston, because if it were that. Because if, there's a goal. Like well, there's if, a prize. If you were able to use a qualifying time from a half to get into Boston, then it'd be like, okay, great. But since Boston, it's, you know, the qualifying time has marathon. to be the marathon. Because yeah. again, like New York, much harder to get in if you're doing qualifying times. Yeah. But there you have one for both. So, like, yeah. I had looked at that even before as being, like, maybe I'll get there before I get to the marathon because it was, like, I, th- I don't know, at the time it was, like, 135 or something. And I was, like, I'm closer to that than I am to yeah. a marathon of 335. or And so. I think it just, I think it takes practice and execution. I think the marathon is really something, like, it is hard to execute. And I don't think it lines up on charts. <laughs> Like, I think eventually it will line up on charts. Funny, I have an aside on that. But I think eventually it does line up on a chart. But I think it is something that you really have to work on execution in order to get it to line up. Yeah. Um, and and you have to be so patient in the marathon. You just, you have to, you have to know what your body's going to do. I like I remember talking to Tina the night before CIM, yeah. driving with her, and, she, and I'm like, "This this is my plan. This is what I'm gonna do. It's gonna be great. Like I got this. I'm gonna run this, and if it's hot, I'm gonna run this." And she's like, "Like scared for me." Yeah, scared for me. She's like, "You know, it's gonna hurt." I was like, "Yeah, pish. like it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not gonna be that bad." And it's. It's just so funny that, like, that's just my mindset going into races. So yeah, it's the Maybe I need to do mental coaching for people. I think so. <laughs> I mean, I think it's that confidence that we all need yeah. to, in order to believe in ourselves. It's just running. Like, enough to do it. Well, so I think it comes from my Uncle Chris has run the Boston Marathon a billion times. And he, like, this is, like, when my mom first became a runner. So back to 2001. And he goes, Mary... It's all in here. Pointing to his head. <laughs> Marathon, it's all in here. With his southern accent. And so that's that's how I run. It's all mental. The it marathon is. is you've gotta get to the distance in training. And I I will always believe in over distance training. Yeah. Um, even years that I didn't over distance, I always stacked my weekends. So if you look like back at a training log, you could see like kind of the shadow of over distance by stacking a 20 and a 10 on the same weekend, mm-hmm. very similar to um, ultra, ultra training plans. Yeah. Um, but over distance matters, practicing faster than marathon pace, running your marathon pace does not, does not matter. I, I personally don't believe it matters because um, knowing what your fitness is for, like that's the other thing. So many people make leap of faith, marathon goals based on what they want and not where their fitness is at. And so that's that's the other piece. Ready for something super cool about mm-hmm. training paces. And so VDOT, which is the coaching platform that I use, has the VDOT02 score, right? And you can find your VDOT calculator score number. You put in any race distance. It'll give you your predictions. Um, and it's Jack Daniels is the original yeah, Jack developer of that so, scale. I um, went in to adjust Sarah and Lauren's times based on their magic mile. Yeah. This weekend. Yeah. This weekend. Yeah. They were already correct based on what their VDOT scores were. Sarah's from her marathon was already exactly an 8.19. It was all lined up with that. Already. Wow. Lauren's was 
I had put in where I thought she was. Right. Was exact. That's Nine amazing. Yep. That's really cool. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, this is crazy. So, yeah. So but all their paces are correct. Um, so that's like the question of, that's like Elizabeth's question in the book about proof versus evidence. And by looking at, because you've obviously worked with both Sarah and Lauren for a long time, and you've yeah. looked at their training over time and how, you know, so you're, you have that sense into like what they're capable of right. over time because it's not that one time because you might have right. one kick-ass day, day. that is just uh, like, and I looked at ours, right? I looked at what I had put in for us, like for training, I put 351 in as like our goal, like yeah. for guess what the magic mile, guess what the mile in that is. Um, I hope it's close to what we can do right now. It's 719. 719. 719. That's that's what we've like, run recently. What? I was like, what? Yeah, that's crazy. That is so crazy. it wasn't ridiculous for right. me to say we could try for that. Now, no. I will say Agreed. the Jack Daniels calculator is a little fast for the marathon. Right. Once you get, once you get, I would say kind of after about 4.15. Yeah. Like after about a 4.15, you might be able to run a mile mile faster than at like kind of the pivot point. 4.20, is going to be like the pivot point. Things are going to line up more easily when you're slower than when you're faster. You're right. going to have more variation. Um, so it was it was really funny. Although I don't know that I could run a seven nineteen right now. <laughs> well, but we've run one recently. Yes, that was we my have, point. We summer. ran one this summer, and then last summer I ran a couple around that. And that was the fastest I've gone in years. Is seven eighteen or nineteen in like in like years? But so yeah, I, I wonder too um, if that gap gets larger, like you said, like if or if you just need to have seen repeated times to know that that's where you're at. So like when I ran my. 615 mile, which is my all-time PR. Or it's a better training plan because the other thing is yeah. our execution of a 409 was based on really solid half marathon training. Oh, yeah. We didn't train for like, a 351 marathon. for a marathon, right? No, no. But I'm saying like I mean, I would say capable, we didn't yes, even train we, for a marathon. No. We trained for a solid half marathon. Exactly. Like to like to re- be really honest and you have to be honest with your training. Yeah, exactly. Did you go out and did you complete the workouts and with marathons with other distances it is about completing the workouts. With the marathon it's more about completing the distance than the work. And I I will always you can be about 50% on the workout as long as you do the distance and you're going to do really well in the marathon because the marathon requires patience. Every other distance, unless you are, I would say, over 215 um, in the half, I would say every other distance you're relying so much more on your threshold pace Right. That you can kind of muscle your way through that the yeah. workout matters. You've got to really practice in those in those intensity zones. So I'm really excited for both Sarah and Lauren. I think that we're gonna see some big improvements over this, even though it's a relatively short 10K cycle. I think that they're gonna they're gonna be really well prepared for this. Um, right. as long as they hit their paces and not faster. And as long as, you know, I told Sarah, she's like, Well, I might be tired to like on her next quarter mile repeats I might be tired so I might do them a little slower I was like no just do two less but honestly just finish the workout like yeah because it because it start the first two slower but try to right. like paces are important when you're getting at those shorter distances because you are in that threshold or right. you're practicing I mean, threshold versus 5k is vo2 max zone yeah so. and you're yeah you're practicing that pace and versus with marathon that's the other thing too and like Elizabeth's book, she's running her long runs too fast, in my yeah. opinion, for, you know, and, and that is something that I've fallen into, and, and the way to switch that is to is to go to Galloway. At the time. At, at the, time. the time. she was, and when she switched coaches, that's when she started to have, like, kind of breakthroughs, and yeah. they, he had her slow down the first bit and speed up the end, so the yes. overall pace was about the same. That is a strategy it does open people up for to running injuries, and she did suffer with some running injuries. That's that's one of the differences with the Galloway method and traditional running plans. 
traditional running plans do get you faster, but the, the risk of injury is a lot higher because the long runs are done faster. With Galloway, and they're so much slower, even though we've talked so much about like little running injuries, <laughs> they're more our execution of Galloway. But Galloway was designed as a run injury-free program. Right. Um, and, and to be honest, even with the injuries that I've had, I've never been out of running for more than... Except, well, ankle sprain last year, but that wasn't a running injury. But right. running injury-wise, the longest I've been out is 18 days. Yeah, and the longest I've ever been out, besides for this right PRP now. cycle, <laughs> is 10 days. And yeah. that's, you know, yeah, I've come back fine. And I yeah. could have come back with this, except for the whole point of getting PRP is to stay off of it. So that's the reason I'm not running on it. It's not because it hurts. It's because I'm not supposed to. And when I did run that one time... It did hurt. So I yeah. said, well, I didn't spend $800, $800 to to blow it, so let me yeah. give it the rest it's supposed to take. But I do have an update from our training. Yes. So we've been doing pool running and biking, and I went out for a run this weekend. I did six miles, um, 2020s, and I got to tell you, I felt very aerobically fit. I felt really good. Um, I can't remember, like, exactly what paces I was running, but they were pretty quick. They weren't slow. And, um, yeah, it, I definitely think that, you know, even though it was warm, my heart rate was well controlled at these paces that were, oh, so here's stuff. If you want to see, I had an average heart rate for me of 150 average heart rate with no drift. Like it would just like kind of came where it was going to be. Is that like blue for you yes top of that blue. is top blue. of blue or that is blue for me um and i ran a 1008 pace with a best so yep. zone two zone two and so one out of my out blue of five zone goes scale. all the way to 166 yeah so, so it's like blue. middle of blue which is my zone two so um and then you know it was a really really nice little run i did speed up oh that's what i did i did 1041, 1030, I descended for the four middle miles. So 1030, 1010, something like that, down to 945 or something, down a hill. I planned it that way and then (laughs) came back and um, did like a recovery mile. And it was pretty great. I mean, it was a really great run. I... um, I did not feel being out there even for an hour that I had lost anything. And we're talking about, like, last fall, I could only do four miles because yeah. my aerobic fitness, even though I was swimming, my aerobic fitness just was not there. So to be able to to go out and do six miles and, like, jump right back into being able to do an hour of running aerobically without any heart rate drift at the end without any slowing down at the end. I truly still end of one experiment believe that the biking and the water running is helping. Now, physically, other than Naomi's foot, I think you could do that too. I think your comeback from running is going to be a little different because we're going to try to we're going to try to keep your pain at bay. Right. Um so it might be like you know, a 15 minute run followed by 45 minutes in the pool or an hour in the pool. It's, it's just, or hopping on the bike or whatever. Like, yeah, it's, so it's tough. <laughs> that's exciting though, that, it is. you know, you had, that you felt like, how about the rest of like, you know, anywhere else, like legs, no everything soreness. else felt like pretty everything good. felt fine. That's amazing. I've been dealing with a little bit of tightness in my right calf from biking, maybe from running, biking from everything. Yeah. It's just stretching that out a little bit. Um, that is sometimes just a, like kind of a trigger spot for me. So just been kind of like, um, making sure, paying attention to it, doing some more calf, like strengthening and stretching. And that's pretty much resolved. I did tip over. We went on like a bike ride with Ken and like, I should have bike bitched for him. I should (laughs) have run with him, even though I had run earlier that day because I, tipped over on my bike <laughs> I didn't I didn't crash but I tipped over and by tipping over I landed on my left hip and so I'm a little bruised there and it's more my quad or my like it's not my hip bone it's like lower 
but I like stretched the inside of my right leg. Oh. And so that's been kind of sore. So oh. I've been heating that. But honestly, it really wasn't that bad. And my, my bike shoes did exactly what they were supposed to do. And I popped right out. That's and, good. It's um, part of like getting, you know, yeah. learning on a bike. It's like you gotta have to, you yeah. have to fall little, once or twice. Yeah, a little scrape on, my, on that. On my elbow. elbow. It's and, not too bad. Um, but yeah, so I, I truly think from an endurance standpoint, the pool running and the biking is right where it's at. I am excited to add biking to, I mean, honestly, I can't, I can wait because it's for good reason. Like mm-hmm. the fact that I'm not really training right now is hopefully we will get pregnant and have a baby at some point. Um, but I kind of can't wait to get back into like a true marathon cycle and to be able to add you know, four to six hours of biking to that, like, would be insane. Um, you did the calculations. How many yeah. hours of work did we do yeah, last, so last week about? Last week, do? yeah, well, yeah, I'll use my numbers, but last week we did, or I did seven hours of biking, two hours of pool running, because that was okay. one, it was two, two, two one-hour pool runs. Okay. The seven hours of biking ended up being 108 miles or something. So and then we nine did hours. nine hours. And we did do also like an hour or so of strength and an hour or so of yoga. Something like that, right? Like, or maybe it's a half hour of strength. Okay. But I'm looking at the the, the aerobic. Yeah. The so cardio. I know, everybody, I know everybody's shitting on the word cardio. But the cardio. Yeah. Nine hours of. and that, That's about a 50 mile week. It is. That's what I was noticing because I, I previously didn't know how to convert. I was like, well... You know, when I was a slower biker, it might have converted to, you know, usually time-based, but it would convert to, like, um, two to one or something. But now with the Peloton and with the, you know, getting faster outside where my average pace is somewhere between 15, 16, 17 miles an hour across those 100-plus, you know, miles, then that's more converting to, you know, probably, again, time-based. If I took that time down, seven hours of running would be somewhere between 35 and 42 miles of running yeah. plus two, the other two hours. Mm-hmm. So it would be, yeah, it's like between 45 and 50 miles I think that we just do a straight, just like we did with the pool running, we said an hour is five miles. I think we need to essentially do that on the bike because they're like the class yeah. the first class of this of this segment was pretty intense yeah because we're still doing the um find your so find your power zones is yeah that called? so this like 30 minute class was more like like that probably would have been more like a three and a half mile run or four mile run right uh-huh. but like the endurance classes are over that 30 minutes is probably like two and a half miles right right so I think if we just do a straight, like, F- as like long as we an have hour a variation, equals five miles kind of thing. we have an hour equals five miles, yeah. then we've got a simple way of saying, like, seven hours is 35 miles. Yeah, the equivalency on it. Yeah. And then it depends, and I think this is something we will be paying good, you know, close attention to as we plan out our training plans once we are, like, once yeah. we're adding it back to a marathon plan, is to find the right classes to take to supplement right. your running, because... Right now, since I'm not running, I am using it as a as a instead of a complement. It's it's a replacement. Right. And so after that class last night, I, I didn't really feel like doing the other 45 minute one, but I did feel like doing something else. Right. And so I grabbed one of Cody's classes, 20 yeah. minute Cody class. Okay, the dude. I mean, you know, I His love classes Cody. Classes are hard, and it's hard. And so when I finished that class and looked at my watts for that 20 minutes. I was almost at my FTP test. Yeah. And that was not intended to be a hard workout. It was so, just, it was one of Cody's like badass. I was, you know, hitting watts of 330 or whatever in the in the hardest part when he had us put our resistance up to like, I had my auto resistance on and he had us at 60 to 80 or no, 70, whatever yeah. it was. I was at like 68 or 74 or something for resistance. Yeah. It was just like higher than I ever go normally. And so I think it was with, intense. I think. Just keeping the days the same, right? So Tuesdays mm-hmm. can be intense. Right. Thursdays should then be easy. Like the Discover Your Power Zones actually is great because I would say other than those classes, I would keep everything else easy. Yes. Um, just just for the sake of you don't want to burn out before we do the FTP test again. <laughs> like oh, yeah. the idea is, is kind of to, to train like that. Um, so... 
like last night I didn't because I am going to have to do all four days in like in a four row. days in a row. And I'm like, okay, this is a little bit. This you is also little, biked Monday. You didn't I take Monday, Monday off. Monday I took Monday completely because off. Because I had to do my last class. Yeah, I took Monday. Last week. Yeah, so, I took Monday completely off. I didn't off. stack because yeah. you stacked the Because you ran on two, Sunday. Yep. And I, I didn't run. So, again, right. for me, it's different because I'm replacing it completely with runs. And I'm also, right. you're also in a cycle of not necessarily worrying about getting in workouts. Yeah. And I'm I'm still trying to get some semblance of the work I in this training cycle. I would say, though, honestly, cycle. With, with marathon coming up, like, you'd be better work off on the stacking endurance. Yeah. That because, the like, you're not, you're not going to be able to go out and run a power marathon. You're not going to be running um like a best marathon right you're going to be running to finish yes and so really working on that four hours of endurance oh yeah four to five hours of endurance which is I mean we honestly this weekend should spend three hours in the pool pool running right like if the marathon is still on your table yeah oh yeah um, so. I no, I agree and like I wouldn't have picked it if it weren't like I didn't realize that it was gonna be yeah. as intense as it was so my but- trick and this is for anybody who has a Peloton. My trick for Cody classes when you're tired is take that auto resistance, and if it's twenty forty, set it to twenty, and then it will always put you on the lowest of his of the zones. Yeah. And then pay attention to your power meter, and really like think of the intent of it. Like yes. I, I did a, co- a low impact Cody class, and I had four hundred and four watts. Um, for one like little segment, right? That was like my and that was a low impact. (laughs) See, and that's and I didn't pick a low impact. And I know, like I know that I will if I'm looking to, you know, when I'm looking to do my long endurance days, it's going to be, it's going to be picking more low impact versus you know. And again, yeah, not necessarily going with this resistance, but it was sort of my it was my intense of the day because we didn't end up pool running yesterday, so we ended up walking in the morning, which was fine. But like you know, I just knew that I was going to take today off pretty much, and so it was just my it was my workout of the day. So yeah, well, yeah, I the off days are so important and rest days are so important. Like although if um if you have time this afternoon, we should we should try to pull. I think we're gonna have to because it's gonna rain tomorrow morning so we're gonna try to be open as long as it's not pouring i think we should try it yeah i think we should try to pull in tonight in case we can't tomorrow (laughs) yeah that works for me yeah i mean i get off i can be off work by uh 4 20 i can't be off till five or later i have interviews so well we can figure that out yeah yeah so um so we went over fuel it doesn't matter what type of fuel you just need to be aiming towards your goals towards your yeah so if you like goo and just has 20 grams per packet of carbs like you just my suggestion still with gels is sip them earlier like so i could not take a whole gel every 20 minutes that would not work for me but taking a quarter every five minutes a hundred percent will work for me because that's how i eat my my chews I'm literally like eating honey stinger chews the entire time I'm running. And I just need to like up that because I go through yeah. about a pack an hour, which is 160 calories, and I need to be going through two packs an hour. And it's gonna be like a gradual shift. And so that's the same thing for, for whether you're using the goose or whether you're using honey stinger. Like it's a gradual shift. It's not like you're gonna. Instantly double or triple. Right. Um, if you're going for like 300 an hour, it would be three gels an hour. Like you're not going to be able to necessarily jump from one to three. But if you can kind of slowly increase that to where you go down to one every 30 minutes instead of 45. Yep. And then, you know, maybe you'll get there to oh where my gosh, it's at 300 it's gonna calories. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be so that's expensive. true. One of the things that the pros do that – and I heard – oh, my gosh. Who was it? Um – Dina Castor, she takes goos and squeezes them into a water bottle and mixes them with water. Yeah, I've like, heard of that, so too. That's so smart. So A lot of the pros do, like, a combo. It's not, like, they take a fuel that's semi-liquid, so that yeah. instead of, like, And solids. there are some new liquid fuels out there yeah. that you can just slurp. 
We got to try some so, of those. Yeah. <laughs> See what we think. So, I mean, we'll definitely like report back on fueling, but you know what else you can have is candy. Candy makes a great fuel. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be like perfect sport fuel. Um, but sodium, I think, is really important. Yeah. The research does not back sodium, but I will tell you up and down that my my N of one, N of two research Same for me. Yep. is that sodium really helps. Really matters. The other electrolytes are less important. And in fact, magnesium gives me GI distress. Yeah. So, so be careful. If, like, it's better to grab salt stick and just add salt to your thing versus like, yeah, yeah. going for one that has higher electrolytes overall. Tailwind is delicious and I loved it, except it gave me literal tailwind. Um, like it's something that I kind of wonder like, man, that might make a great recovery drink. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't use it during races because of the magnesium in it. It's too relaxing for my GI system. Yeah. Um, but yeah, salt is salt is amazing. Uh, again, if you're making some kind of carb electrolyte mix for a bottle, you could open a salt stick cap and put it in there or just take the pills. And I've found air on the set like versus following the bottle is just like just take them often, <laughs> like yeah. one every twenty minutes about. And we've been adding, um, like, starting with on our bike, we've added, you know, like liquid to our liquid. We've been yeah. adding some some more electrolytes. I've been doing that. Like I did that last night, and I drank them, you know, so quickly. I drank both my bottles on the bike last yeah. night. Like in fifty minutes, I drank two big bottles. So like, that's great. And one of them was just water, and the other had um, that drip well, drop, which is like that's a lo- what I do a low on the bike too. But usually I don't, like, I must not drink much at work yesterday. But, like, the drip drop has quite a bit of sodium. And so, um, yeah, drip drop or liquid IV or yeah. Pedialyte Sport, you know, whatever whatever you use. I actually have to start bringing fuel down when I'm on the bike, when I plan to be on the bike for more than an hour. Because yeah. I tend to, like, if it's a half hour, I'll just eat a little something before. I have my Pedialyte Sport, which is... I mean, relatively low calorie. I want to say it's 40 calories for a whole bottle. Yeah. Um, A lot of sodium, though. I love it. Um, So that's fine for a half hour. But anytime I'm on for more, like, I know that my muscles could benefit from more carbohydrate. Like, Like, that's the big thing is, like, your mitochondria need glycogen, and that's what you're trying to improve here. Like, I feel like my whole life is about improving mit- mitochondria efficiency. So, yeah. Because, like, that's what all of my um, fertility supplements have all been about. Oh, crazy. Is like, like, improve DNA, improve mitochondria. So, like, everything I take is... Um, has been like with that like goal in mind. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. Like you're building, it's the building blocks you're building. Yeah. You're trying to, you know, build a good solid base to build yeah. a baby, and and then at the same time build a solid base to run oh on. Oh my gosh, it's that crazy. Body. And I'm like so, I'm like, you know, on this like fence of like my body feels so good working out, like the way that I'm working out. That like at what point is there like a tipping point for like my fertility. So like, I like don't know how much I'm going to continue. Yeah. Like right now it feels really good. Nobody's told me to stop. So well, and you're not overdoing anything. Yeah. And that's, you know, yeah. I think that's really important. You've tried, and you've tried both directions. Like you've done nothing, nothing and, and then I've done and a little done, bit and I've done a yeah. lot. And you know, it's, it, yeah. I mean, it just is what it is. <laughs> Yeah, it just is what it so is. So hopefully, you know, we'll we'll keep bringing running topics to the pod and yeah. and, and fitness topics, but <sighs> hopefully at the same time you you might not be running and that's okay. I know. I'm okay. preparing myself. I'm preparing myself for both kind of extremes. For I'm going to be like super amazing and be able to stay running and stay fit through pregnancy. Like I was thinking back to your pregnancy with Julian and how you were able to remain training for quite a while. And it wasn't until just before I would say February, March that we started to like really deviate completely. And you were, I mean, maybe it was more closer, like end of January, we had like started only meeting up every once in a while for runs because I had like, I was training for London. Right. You had like, you were able to do, you know, long workouts and long runs and I was doing short, but, um, but I mean, up through December, we were doing a lot of the same training, even though you were, had a big belly. And yeah, (laughs) yeah, we were still kicking ass with like some, some shorter fast work, but I would say that like, you know, throughout that, I still, I think I still had some, 
I had, um, you know, an unhealthy mindset. Okay. That was because going into that phase, that was, I had right before I got pregnant with Julian was the, I have to qualify for Boston. It's the only thing that matters. Again, very, I feel Elizabeth Clore, like I yeah. feel that in that book. I'm like very, I'm, you know, mine was a shorter time frame. I didn't spend seven years trying to qualify, but I felt like it was all or nothing. And I had to qualify that year. And then, so once I, you know, got pregnant and was really excited about being pregnant and having baby, I was also at the same time having a lot of FOMO about, I'm you know. like, I don't want to lose I this fitness. didn't want to lose like, fitness. Yeah. I wanted to still be able to, I knew I wasn't going to qualify for Boston Pregnant, but I wanted to maintain fitness. I didn't want to have to back off from training. I, so I think, you know, in some ways I look at that as being pretty unhealthy. And whereas yeah. now I'm on this break of not running and feeling like it's okay. Like that's great. Uh, running will be there again. I'm not I mean, feeling that anxiety that I felt. Nothing, nothing to put into perspective the fact that like you know, um, like it's taken me so long to even get pregnant. Like I'm not even right. pregnant yet. Like nothing to put that into perspective. Like the like the things that are actually important in life. Like yeah. um, like any like. Qualifying for Boston is big, and I'm not trying to diminish it at all because it is a big deal, but it's also not that big of a deal. So when I coach my swimmers, um, we have um, Junior Olympic cuts are, like, kind of a big deal. And... but they're also not. So my swimmers are allowed to celebrate their races for 10 minutes, and they're allowed to mourn their races for 10 minutes. I like that. And that's it. Because I don't want them to sell it to be like, I got this, and that's it. Like, I don't want them to stop working. I don't want them to put any performance up on a pedestal or either way. Right. Like, they worked really hard, and they don't get it. I don't want that. I want them to enjoy the process of it. And I don't want any of my kids to think when I was a champion, back when, I, because they're children. It's the <laughs> back same, when I was nine and the top of my game. Right. Like, that's not right. Right, exactly. It's the same with adults. Right. Um, like, sure, I have a PR of 332. But I'm not a 332 marathoner right now. I'm a 409 marathoner because it's what have you done recently? It's like, what are you capable of right now? And like also like, like the people that love me don't ask me about my marathon times. Right. It's like not the people who look at your marathon times or care about your marathon times are usually not your friends. Like right. they're usually Well, and it's all know. it's all about self-improvement too. Like it's right. it's kind of cool to to work to improve and while you know, you can look at a cycle, a training cycle that where the race results or the goals are are just shy and you can still find amazing value in it. Like right? Like yes. we did some of the hardest work we've done during tax season, that cycle in 2019, race day wasn't what you wanted it to be, but your execution was better than any other race. Yeah. Oh, looking back at 2019, and, is oh my gosh, always. Yeah, like I was so devastated. Talk about like, yeah, celebrate or wallow in it. I mean, I'm sure it was a lot more than 10 minutes, although maybe we should time adjust. So if you race for four hours, you can be sad for four hours. No, no, no. you only get, <laughs> no, you should only get 10 minutes or because, be like, excited for four hours. But I, yeah, like I was so devastated after Mountain Speech and like looking back and being like, wow, I can't believe how well I did, how. You know, yeah. that was my, that was only my third sub four and it was only 59 seconds off my PR. And like, yeah. I'm looking back, I don't, you know, I'm just so, so like. Are you at the point of Elizabeth's book where she has started working with Neil yet? Yes. She just started working okay. with him. I'm halfway through the book. He does this great thing that's like, well, what happened? What was good? And what did you learn? Your takeaways. And like, that is like perfect. That's really great because it is so simple. Running is so simple. Like, what things happened, like, within your control? What was good about it? And what are you going to improve on? Like, it's all super positive, so. I love what Neil says is he asks her, are you a runner? And she says, yes. And he says, no. You are a person who runs. And that's, and I feel like that's that's where I am now versus where I was in 2018, 2019 when my goal was qualified for Boston. And that's, that was the, and I, my mindset was so. Well, and it's hard when your mindset is that of a runner 
you start to think that you can have 10 goals at once and that you can have success everywhere. You can just be like, yeah. success, like, everywhere. Like, all <laughs> Make the it dollars. rain. Yeah. Like, you think you can race a 10-miler and a marathon and a 5K and a 10K and a half all over the place when each race requires specific training and you can yeah. PR along the way. Like, I'm not saying... And you like, might accidentally PR along the way, especially as you're early on right. in this journey. Yeah, new runners are going to drop time all the time and it's awesome. Way to go. It's incredible. Older runners are going to... Like, progress is not linear. It goes up and down. So, you know, just remember it's all it's all about what you have on the day and being your best self that day. Yeah. What do you have to give that day? Um, it's effort-based. It's one of the things... One of the reasons why I love the idea of going to time... Time goal training versus mileage. mileage. distance. You know, whether it's for fuel or for endurance, like, I think... While the 29-miler is super valuable, I think that that can be converted to a time time limit. If you are training for a six-hour marathon, that 29-miler should be no less than six and a half hours. Um, you should be going over the time you're planned for the race. That's the, that's the big takeaway of it. And, you know, if you're even at 3.30, it's got to be a five-hour time because I know that and everybody's like what I'm not gonna run that long but like that five hours is going to prepare you to not have pain during your 330 right so um it's really I I'm a big believer in Jeff's method like I will always believe in it I like no like no slow long run is too slow any of that um I do look back, my one like training regrets is I feel like so often I was trying to win workouts. That's where Mm -hmm. I, that's where like my mental piece was bad. And even still on the Peloton, sometimes I'm trying to like win, I'm trying to beat other people. And I need to get out of that headspace. That's my one thing. Competitive. During races, I am not competitive at all. Like, I don't (laughs) look at other people and be like, I'm going to beat them. I literally am just, like, out there having fun. Yeah. But when it's a workout and it's like, you should run 720s, I'm like, 659s, that's right. Yeah. Like, (laughs) and they're, like, stupid. Like, I'm like, well, I ran a 721. I failed this workout. I should just start running easy. And I'm like, nope, that's no, not that how it should the be. Goal. Like, right. Yeah, so it's like putting putting things in ranges versus yeah. so like that's really help helpful for me is to have a range versus yeah. a number on the clock that you have to hit. But then yeah, I think for your Peloton, I think you gotta hide that leaderboard. Yeah. Because, you know, it's 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 causing it could be okay. causing you to have some so yeah, unhealthy competition new, that you don't need. My new thing is actually heart rate. Yeah. So now I go. look at other people's numbers and I'm like, well, they're in red heart rate and I'm still in light green. Oh, I haven't looked at I don't see, I don't look at what's happening over there. Although I did look last night when I was like in that freaking Cody crazy workout where I passed. I mean, because they were high-fiving yeah. me. So that's why I, I noticed yeah. I passed 100 people because I was getting all these high-fives and I noticed that I went from like 120 to 20 or something yeah. in, the, like, in the like, you know, Cody class. And it's like, but that wasn't, I didn't have that intent, but it's really about intent. Yeah. That's where I took into last year um, with New York training. That was like, that was my first cycle of changing my, changing the discourse in my mind and how I look at training. And so every, every day it was the intent, what's today's intent. And so instead of going out and winning the workouts or going out and having miles on days where, you know, it was a rest day, it was like, well, today's intent is this. And so, you know, yes, I was hitting paces, but they were always like, I didn't know exactly where I would fall. So if, you know, I think we, you had given me training numbers to hit and I was hitting, like all of my mile repeats were 759. They were all hitting 759. Yeah. And that was just, so it was just more of uh, that was coming back and informing what I should be hitting versus the other way around versus saying, right. well, you need to hit 740 if your goal is X. And it's like, right. or you need to hit 810 because your goal is um, X. And I instead it was just, let's see what, what I hit and then let that inform what my goal can so, be. So that is so important. Like the magic mile, Jeff's magic mile is one way to do it. Right. But once you've been running for a little while, like a workout can also... A workout can also inform that and sometimes better. Like I know yeah. for me, for me, a three mile block is better than a one mile block. Right. Because a three mile block will really tell the story, a two or three mile block for a marathon of where I'm at. Whereas a 
a one mile, like I can push hard enough to yeah, make the same. one mile show. We what have is fast twitch right. fibers. So a three mile block, a two mile block, a three mile block might be better. A workout of half mile repeats, repeats. might also be like better. what is what was your six, seven, and eight repeat? I have an eight. You know, if it's half mile or mile repeats, you know what versus your first, second, and third. I almost even think a. One hour run using a same interval, like 30-30 or a 20-20, is a good predictor of where I'm at. Like, right, I used to be able to do those at, like, 9.15s, keeping my heart rate at, like, 145. And that's when I was a – like, I still – even though I ran a – even though I ran a 332, I have evidence that I was in shape for a 325. Right, so I still consider that to be mar- like a marathon pace that on a cool day I could have yeah. executed because my execution was based on what the weather gave me that day. So right, so that's like where I say, all right, so nine fifteen to seven forty five. If I now adjust that ten oh eight to, I think I could be a nine ten right marathoner. Right, you can look at. I I still know. think that. We would have been under four hours. Yeah, had, had we had good we weather. Had good weather. Had we had good training. And well, and good training. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. true. We didn't do the training, and yeah. then the weather wasn't great. And which is why, again, even better evidence that we were as you know fit, right. fitter than we thought for for the training we had done. Right. So, and that that's always so important is that your training, like that's where the proof is. What you want is is just what you want. What you can do is you have to have the evidence to to back it up. Yeah. And your execution will always be, everything will be more fun if you're within what you can do versus pushing past what you can do. Uh, Push to the limit of what you can do 100% if that's how you like to run. I like to run at 80% of my limit. I do not like to get into the pain cave. I do not want to live there. I want to be... I train so that when I give 80%, it gets me my goal. Right. That is how I like to run. That's how I like to train. Jeff knows that about me. I don't want to train to be at peak. Like, I always want to have gas in the tank. Yeah. It's just who I am. Yeah. So, but not everybody's like that. Some people are like, I want to go all the way to the red line. I want to see the limits of what I can do. I enjoy the pain cave. That's, I don't, I don't want to be there. I don't know. (laughs) So, which is, I mean, funny (laughs) that like, I mean, to be honest, I would love to get my 75% faster. I would love to get so fast that my 75% hits all my goals. That you can just hang and be happy in a race and still crush the goals. Well, and that's kind of like getting to the point where I could pace yeah, I could true. pace like 340. Like that would be an amazing, amazing place to be. The problem is um, a lot of times pacers won't let you, like people like, you know, um, Chris won't let you pace because I would only ever pace Gal. It won't let you pace unless you have a, a PR 30 minutes faster. It's like proof of time basically. Right. But I, I would have to, I bet if I went out and ran in the same season that time five times in a row, I, he'd be like, okay, you're yeah. fine. Because, yeah. like, I'm like, I don't like to redline. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they, he'd let you with the consistency, just, you know, yeah. to show the proof. Just like how Ken, our friend Ken, has been able to pace times that are closer to his, you know, to his time. And he crushes it. He paced, was it, a 310 the other weekend and, and, then, and raced. Yeah, like, so, you know. It's crazy. Some people are capable of it, and I know that, yeah, you are. You have that durability. <sighs> someday. Someday. Well, I mean, I don't have it now. I have, I'm, I wonder <laughs> well, if I could even do a 5K right now. Your cells have durability, even if you don't <laughs> yeah. have, if you haven't got the training behind it. I know. I've got to figure out what I'm going to do this fall, like, if anything. <laughs> I mean, it's it needs to just be, oh. so you need to have the goal of, like, you know, when you Take already are day. pregnant. And so it's like, yeah, like you don't know yeah. what you'll be able to do. And so, you, yes, it's okay to sign up for stuff. But just like when I was pregnant, it was okay to sign up for stuff with the knowledge that, like, we decided as we got closer or the day before we decided what we were going to do. So, like, you were like, well, since you're at 25 weeks, let's try to run a 25-minute 5K, which we did, which we yeah, crushed. Yeah, that's right. But so that was, like, how you told you know, you set my expectations up instead of looking at what I could do a week ago because I have no idea because at 25 right. weeks versus 22 weeks, like, it's – you feel totally different. Yeah. So versus 12 weeks versus – Well, I yeah. remember, like, I actually – that was – was that New Year's? 
So New Year's when I must have been 24, and we okay. ran 24 weeks. Because then we ran we ran a couple back-to-back. Oh, and right, I, right. And then it was one more that was maybe – or maybe I'm thinking of there was also a 28 that we that I ran a 28-minute for yeah. um, the Valentine's Day race. Yeah, that's kind of fun. And that was like, you know – but it was like we didn't know what I'd be capable of until like the day before. Right. <laughs> or the day right. off. Like just exactly. every day was – Exactly. You just so, don't know. I mean, the, the her big hurdle for me would, will be to actually get pregnant. Once I'm pregnant yeah. – it's like up to the universe and up to my body and and really up to the up to the embryo to keep working. Yeah. So so I'll yeah. just like do what I can do. I, we have enough evidence though that like there's nothing physically that you can do that causes miscarriage. Right. Like especially early miscarriage. Like that is all usually competency of the baby. So exactly. So it's not that you know it's not that training <laughs> will do anything. Yeah. It'll just be more of. First trimester is so exhaustion. Yeah, Yeah. and like nausea. And so for, yeah, that's why with my first, I didn't run at all in my first trimester. So even though like I'm training, like there's a possibility that everything will happen out in October. And you'll stop. So Marine Corps will be out. Right. And so there's a possibility that, but there's a possibility that nothing will happen and that Marine Corps will be in. Which will be great because then you and I can just like run, walk it together to whatever we can do. And if not. I do need to find out like. It like, you know, at not, what limit is too much? You know, yeah. like because yeah. I have a friend who um, she was doing team and training, and at twelve weeks, I think did Marine Corps, like, and she's like a back of the packer, and so and she got the okay to do it, and so. But I also know people that are like, nope, never. I don't didn't ever feel. Do it. I didn't feel. But you were in twenty five miles. Uh, twenty. 20. 20. With Marcy. Okay. Yeah. And I was seven weeks. Yeah. And I was miserable. Yeah. And I, that was that. I knew I didn't want to do a fall marathon after that. I decided I could do 10K, half, whatever. I decided, and I did pivot to do a, you know, I, I took, I deferred Marine Corps, which is the one I'm using this year, four years later. I took the, um, the Richmond and and switched, swapped it down to a half because I don't know if I was doing Richmond. I don't know. I did a half at Richmond, a half yeah. at Hershey. So I swapped down to halves and I felt comfortable with that. I just didn't feel good. It wasn't anything with like, I knew like it wasn't going to hurt the baby. It was like, it just didn't feel, I wasn't in it. I didn't yeah. know my heart wasn't in it. And so like, you yeah. know, why? It's a lot. Marathons, marathons are hard. Marathons are hard when you're not pregnant, yeah. let alone, Yeah. So it'll you'll probably just have that feeling of like, and then at twenty five or twenty six weeks at Disney, I knew that like halves were over, and I shouldn't even that one was like a stretch to get to and do that yeah. half, but I knew I couldn't do. We were supposed to do uh, dopey, and so yeah. I had dropped down I did to goofy. just the half I dropped to goofy. But I knew that like I wasn't going to do dopey. I knew I wasn't even going to do goofy because I knew that like, and then even by that point at twenty six weeks, I was like I shouldn't even done the half because it was you miserable. were so lucky you didn't so do hard. the marathon that year. I. I ran sub four that year, and it was the hardest sub four I've ever run. It was like <laughs> it was awful so weather, hard. and so it I'm was so it black fla- they black fat flagged at four hours yeah. in. So like I got to finish the marathon, but a Lots lot of people, people did not. Yeah, a lot, of, and that was the first year of the new course where you ran through Blizzard Beach parking Instead lot, and of, so many people cut the course short. Oh, really? Too. Instead of um, like, Wild World of Sports, yeah, love well. I, I know it's sad that it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely, uh, I mean, I want to do the Disney races again at some point. I don't know. It might end up, if things don't work out for us, like we either can't transfer this fall or it doesn't take, um, I will probably try to get a princess bib. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see how it all works. All right. Well, with that, I think it's time to go, go to work. work. <laughs> life, oh, life is calling. Life well, is calling. And, uh, yeah, I guess Ooh, if you want to support the pod, um, go to rungallygirls.com slash shop. Um, you can yeah. also go to beautycounter.com slash rungallygirls. And then we're going to have new merch. I have my sh- my new Marine Corps race oh, team so crop cute. on. And, it. yeah, we need to, we're going to hopefully put some merch up. Yeah. Um, for, you know, Marine Corps, um, Marine Corps and DC, DC races. races. Oh, we have such cute merch. Also so. just represent living in DC and yeah. being a DC racer. So. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get some of those up and, and y'all can buy some, some cute yeah. swag, some cute merch from us. Yeah. All right. Well, we will see you. See you next soon. Week, see I you guess. next week. All right. Bye. bye.